Hey everybody, my name is Sean Canungo and you're watching another episode of Dangerous Ideas. This is a podcast where we break down ideas and frameworks that will change your life. It might change your business, your, your, your career, and your life. Uh, I break down a whole bunch of different concepts and then we try to weave in some things that are related to social media. And I'm really excited uh, today to have a couple different guests. And by the way, you're, you're going to be hearing, you might be hearing a baby in the background. That's actually my nephew, Luca. He's here in the studio and it's such a, a pleasure and a treat to have him. So you know like in Timbaland where they had like the baby in the background crying on the beats? That's going to be like this. That It's going to be amazing. It's going to have a podcast. It's the first time ever that you have a podcast where you have a baby in the background making noises just like the Timbaland beats. But um, I'm really excited because actually my brother is in town, JD. Uh, he's in town uh, from Victoria. Do you want to say hello? Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, yeah, very honored to be on this pod with uh, some esteemed guests. So, uh, wow. Be, yeah. Who else is coming, man? Wow, wow. I, got some, I feel like uh, I've been on some podcasts before, but very kind of low uh Kind of low audience uh, numbers. Just okay, well, like this is definitely <laughs> low audience numbers as yeah, well. And so, so, it uh, to, so uh, actually, you'll fit it. You're gonna fit in right, right yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be with, uh, yeah, some some pros here. It's uh, pretty impressive, and yeah, it's cool to check out the studio space that you guys have. Yeah, yeah. No, we're excited. So, Adam uh, O'Brien from Bitcoin Well. Yo, what's up? And we got Navin from In the Lab. Excited to be here, man. Yeah, you, you know, um, actually, to, to give you some background, so uh, a bunch of us came together uh, to to build to to come in in the studio and to I guess feed off each other, right? Was that the idea, Navin? Like, what, what was the it's idea a, to come in? It's a group of like-minded individuals and creators that want to push each other to actually do go somewhere and be with other people on that journey. Yeah, and I know Adam. Like, we've been you and I were chatting about you know jumping on pods together and and just just getting more into the whole content space and look here we are i jumped on your show this morning dude i loved it man we were live just like felt like 10 minutes ago we were live yeah i was stoked uh sean and i were talking about this like i think months before and then you hit me up and you're like hey we're doing it yep and uh and i was like i'm in let's go so you know i think this feeds into uh really well into my first concept framework which I actually talk in the book, The Bold Ones, which is the most powerful person in the room is the storyteller. It's the idea that uh, the we, we've seen this throughout history that the individuals that are able to create their own narratives, the, the, the ability to tell stories, like these are the individuals that have shaped the world. In fact, if you look at how we've uh, progressed as a society, as, as humans, it's really Sue's story. I think that's the thing that differentiates us uh, from, you know, animals. And so I want to dive into this uh, subject as well. And, and the reason why I want to have my brother on is because out of anybody that I know on the planet, um, th- he is like a encyclopedia when it comes to sports. He's from soccer to, 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 to hockey to even basketball. Like he, know, he knows every single sport. No, not and- so much anymore. I, uh, I don't want to ruin the, your intro, but yeah, I think uh, soccer and hockey for sure, but. The other sports? No, I see you in the group chat, <laughs> you know, uh, talking about basketball. He's like the first one. Nick Nurse got fired today. He's like, ah, oh, he's putting in the chat. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll uh, kind of retweet the uh, TSN or, you know, right. ESPN. <laughs> so I want to talk about this because, you know, I think, um, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about this in terms of sports and the relevance of sports. And, you know, the one thing that the NBA does really well, it's able to tell its own stories. It's able to create its own narrative. And, you know, here living in Edmonton, Obviously, we're a hockey city. You know, the playoffs are on right now. The Oilers are, are in the playoffs. Of course, there's a buzz in the city. Yet, for some reason, it's still, like, 
globally, no one knows about hockey. Connor McDavid, the greatest player to ever live. Let's be honest. Okay, okay. Wayne Gretzky, number one. Connor McDavid, number two. That guy has one million followers on Instagram. Yeah. It's an embarrassment. Why is this the case? Well, I think it's partly because hockey's a very insular sport. Um, and I think it's becoming sort of increasingly insular. Um, and that's because hockey has done itself a disservice. It's a very expensive game to get involved with at the grassroots level. And so by the time that these players get to the elite stages, they're surrounded by people that are very like-minded, have very kind of similar upbringings. I think hockey nowadays, in order to play it, especially at the elite levels, you come from sort of uh, upper middle class or even wealthier backgrounds. And a lot of these players, you know, they don't really read much about the world. They're sort of like gained, they're sort of, um, you know, kind of groomed to become elite hockey players from a very young age. And uh, But I disagree with that because I think um, I, the, the, the fact that, I, I agree that it's an elite sport. Yeah. But I would also, I would also say that the NBA is an elite sport. The, like, the like, difference, though, is like in, in terms of barrier to entry, right? Basketball, everyone can play. You know, you can argue that many NBA players don't come from wealthy backgrounds. They come from, you know, it's a, com it's a completely diverse game. But in order to make to the hockey. NBA, you have to be, you have to be eight foot feet tall. <laughs> so, so, to, to, to me, it isn't a, like it's not a game. We say it's a game for everyone. Steph Curry changed the game of basketball. Of course, you can shoot. He's still six three. Yeah. Well, so that, that you know, it's, there's always examples like in the NBA, like if you're an elite athlete, you've got a chance to play, you know, um, professional sports one day. But I think, you know, you look at the NHL, like if you were to kind of go around Edmonton right now and kind of look at the elite hockey players, they probably have very sim similar upbringings. They're in hockey camps from age seven, eight in the summertime. Their parents have really groomed them to be kind of professional players. It's become kind of this elite hothouse of players and it becomes very like insular. If you walk around like any rink, you'll probably see, you know, the same group of executives that are trying to kind of mine the next group of hockey players and they want to make sure that they all think the same way. Um, they're sort of almost forced not to stand out. Um, and I think, so, and I think that's, like, that's really, a, a, I think it's a, a barrier to entry issue with hockey, right? And it's becoming more and more like that because uh, it's, it's becoming more insular. I remember, you know, at the height of the uh, pandemic during, you know, the big Black Lives Matter protests after the death of George Floyd and uh, there was another shooting in Wisconsin, um, there was that time where the NBA players actually were thinking, we're not going to play yeah, tonight, right? That. Giannis and Milwaukee Bucks, there's a shooting in Wisconsin. They said they're not going to play. And, you know, the NHL, like everything, they were sort of responsive rather than proactive, right? So a group of their players were like, ah, oh, maybe we shouldn't play. But it wasn't really a priority until some of the players, mostly of color, actually stood up and said, no, we're not going to play. But they did ask one of the coaches of uh, the Flyers at the time, Alan Vigneault, it's like, oh, like, what are your thoughts on, you know, what's happening in this country and, and the race issues? And Ellen Vigneault is like, you know, I'm coaching this team 24 hours a day. I don't really know what's going on. And that's, to me, like, it, it sort right. of embodies sort of like the attitude that people in hockey, especially Insular. at the elite levels, have. Inward looking um, rather than... Absolutely, well, you, you they're inward looking. So, yeah. And so, you know, there are some signs that that might be changing. I think the NHL, uh, especially some of the sponsors around the NHL are trying to change that. You know, you look put on... Well, I was going to say because, like, the, the NBA does a very good job at that. And I know, Navin, you, you, you like, you, you follow this. You work with the NBA. Like, you guys yeah. work with brands related to the NBA. And they're not as insular, and they're able to tell, tell, tell their stories in better ways, right? Like, my, my biggest thing is when you say culture, like there's no culture around hockey in the NHL. Right. It's not there. 
NBA, it's three things. It's okay. fashion, it's music, and then it's the personalities. You got Russell Westbrook, you got LeBron, you got these loud people. Yep. Then on the flip side, you have Connor, the best player in the world, in my opinion, hands down. Zero personality. Yeah. So there's no way to relate. Even in his commercials, it's tough to like find a way to relate to him. But then you got LeBron, these guys who are coming out with sneakers and they're on pause and they're on the barbershop talks and they're like, they're in your face and then they're connecting with so many other kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, 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 they make it more global also with um, what's Adam Silver. Yeah. Like he does such a good job, like I said, top down leading the organization opposed to the NHL yeah. guys who are. And, well, you've seen the NHL almost like, like PK Subban was tr almost it seemed like trying to be that he was the only one and the yeah. league was like no 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 what are yeah, you doing yeah, yeah, turn yeah, this yeah. off exactly turn, yeah turn this guy exactly. off. Just like a bunch of you know old school mentality that really probably don't want to think outside the box it's no different than like you know the old school corporates uh they haven't faced adversity and and they don't know how to respond to this coming wave of of the new culture and yep. and they're they never thought about brand. They've thought about posture. They've thought about process. They've thought about uh, how do I look? How does this make me look? And like what we just talked about, they're dunking on innovation, right? Yeah. They don't. They, they don't want that innovative spirit. Right. right. I, I almost think like Don Cherry, um, for you know, he started in sort of the late '80s, and he just only came off air like in 2019. Yeah. Right? Come so, off was he forced off? Well, he was forced <laughs> off. Yeah, because yeah, of his uh, comments, which was coming, right? Like. Year after year, there's always... That, that's just it. Like, yeah. the NBA, I feel like, if a controversial figure says something, they're leaning into it. Absolutely, they're like, yeah. They're either they for it them. or against it, but they're like, yo, this was something that got views, something yeah. that, that, that exposed our brand to more people. We're here for it. Don Cherry says something that, like... I, I mean, you could, well, we won't get into that conversation, but, like, it, it was something that uh, the NHL just tried to sweep under the rug like they've kind of always done. Yeah, I think, like, it, be, it was a problem, I think, for Hockey Night in Canada because, you know, I think there's a certain segment of the population that watches Hockey Night in Canada, and they really, like, value what Don Cherry says. Yep. And so, like I say, if you go to any rink around Canada, there's still executives that sort of prayed at the altar of Don Cherry and sort of believed in everything that he said. He valorized a lot of qualities that are very kind of traditional, very conservative, you know. Some of them are very honorable, like you stand up for your team, you don't, like, celebrate goals big. That's what Bobby Orr used to do. Some admirable things, but I think it, there's a group think that sort of would tend to happen especially amongst like that um generation of yeah. people in hockey and that became the pervasive culture which is very kind of destructive towards new people trying to come into the game or people that want right. to think differently and you know there is actually a hockey culture i think but it's not like the most welcoming or you know um happy type of thing like so for for instance like there's a podcast you guys have probably heard of it, Spitting Chicklets. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I would popular, argue that yeah, it's super popular pod. So yeah, it's it's hosted Don't by. Don't listen to it, but I, I know it's <laughs> yeah. I know it's super it's popular. Well, so yeah, it's it's like probably one of the most popular hockey podcasts, but it gives you an insight into hockey culture, and you know the the hosts are former players. So yep. Ryan Whitney, who used to play for the Oilers and Pittsburgh Penguins, amongst other teams, and Paul Bizonet, right? Yeah. And you know, to be honest, like if you listen to it, they are fun, funny guys. They tell stories about the game. But, you know, a lot of their attitudes around hockey are... are they're bro not, culture. Yeah, it's, it's bro culture, right? I, I've never they're, listened to the show. It, but it I is bro assume. culture, right? So they talk about, like... By the um, way, there's, there's, like, four bros on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, they talk a lot about sort of, like, off-ice stories that probably wouldn't be, 
you know, probably wouldn't be kosher in a lot of circles. Yeah. Um, but they sort of glamorize that. And, you know, you sort of see now with hockey, it's having this kind of reckoning around its culture with the Hockey Canada scandal uh, with the 2018 World Junior Team. And there's a gang rape involved that they're yeah, still investigating. Yeah. Uh, there's a Kyle Beach situation uh, where he was a player on the 2010 Blackhawks where he was but- abused by one of their um, by one of the trainers and you know, they're still investigating all of these things. There's been really no ramifications to come out of these uh, issues. Um, but it sort of shows you, it's sort of like the Catholic Church. There's like this very kind of powerful um, kind of cloak around yeah. around these things. Well, I, you know, I, I'm going back to the concept, the, you know, the p- most powerful person in the room is, is the storyteller. T- you know, I think we forget sometimes that this, sports is entertainment. It is entertainment at the end of the day. And you have all these athletes they are, yeah, they're athletes, but they're actually entertainers at the end of the day. And it's a business. And so if, if you guys want to fix the NHL, what would you do to, to, to go off and fix it in order so that it's actually a relevant game? And this is important because today hockey is competing not only with other sports, but it's competing against anything on Instagram, Hasa Highlight, Twitch, like speed and kai and all these guys they're just competing with all this so like what would you why would you advise the nba uh, the, the nhl yeah. just empower creation and go make the netflix documentary that the pga just did the f1's doing yeah. and yeah, tennis absolutely. just did that's all you need to do right it, it will change the whole landscape of the game in my opinion wow so short, the short netflix, term for sure short term yeah not but, saying, and then, then, then they have yeah. to embody it and they have to embrace it they have to continue yeah. on that's i think that's the last step to your to your ultimate brand shift is like okay Let's get all these things in place. Let's empower creation. Let's empower our our personalities to come out and do yep. something. And then let's kick it off with the Netflix documentary. Yep. With this, we like, need a Netflix the doc on the NHL. Yo, no, Netflix can save the NHL. Because seriously, like, how many of us watched the F1 documentary? I wasn't a fan of F1 before. Yeah, yeah, no, I haven't seen it. Everybody tells me about it. It's amazing, and is the reason why so many people are into F1 now, which is remarkable. Yeah, but but F1 trading cards. Uh, for the first time, like oh, wow. hit, hit record sales. Like I know there's, uh, I don't, need, and I don't, I haven't watched it nor do I follow the sport, but I know that like a perfect condition trading card of the best driver sold for like a half a million bucks at the oh, wow. or something crazy, which wow. is like unheard. But of. can I? But but did did that show come out? F1 come out during a time like the first season come out where it was like you know every single year as the years goes by, the world gets more fragmented, and I kind of feel like. You know, it came out at a time where we were all kind of watching it. And now, yeah, I don't the know. Pandemic the, yeah, what the impact of the tennis one, did it really have a halo effect? I don't know. I think it's had a bit of an effect. Oh, yeah? I mean, it just okay. came out. Like, it, it's an interesting concept because they're following, like, they're going to release them kind of throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So I think the first uh, series kind of followed the Australian Open. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the next series is going to kind of be released be- prior to the French Open. But for instance, you know, my uh, beloved Glennis, who's here as well, um, sh- we, we're not huge tennis fans, but we watched the uh, Breakpoint documentary. Yep. And now, you know, right after that, they're Australian Open matches. And we're like, oh, like, what's going on with uh, Novak Djokovic, who is you know, a big, big focus of, uh, of the first season, of the right. first series, right? Um, so it does sort of, um, sort of promote personalities. So, um, so it's, less, it's probably less, a little bit less about 
uh, like the Netflix doc, but even like you look at boxing too, and like this creator boxing segment that's happening. Like I knew for my wife, like I've I've been a fan. I've been I myself, uh, I've been like training boxing on and off since like 2016, 2017. Yep. I love the sport. Uh, my wife Logan Paul is fighting. I want to go. I'm bringing yep. my wife with me. We go to England. We go. We go to the thing. She's like she's in the press conference. She's like, whoa, this is that's crazy. So we go to the fight. She loves it. Now her and I will sit on the couch together and buy the pay per view and watch yep. like Ryan Garcia, for example. Or we're the Saturday. Yeah, that, that's it. That's <laughs> why it's on my mind. But <laughs> it's like like it's it's less. You know, we we kind of pigeonhole to Netflix, but it's more that like you said, creator aspect. Someone from a different circle brought the sport in yeah that's like what you're saying what diversity and and voila we have my wife this like you know she, she's never even looked at a boxing glove until until yeah. like someone else introduced her to it right and now she's a fan of the sport we've gone to like you know the unified events here uh it, it's it's crazy how one small shift and then the follow-up of that shift can, interesting can, can really yeah, yeah I, I bought every single jake paul dude it's so I, jake paul fight <laughs> it's crazy you gotta support man i've yeah. been to a couple they're awesome they're, well, they're dynamite. Yeah, well, you've been to it. I mean, that that's the another level. Like, I, I I don't know. I've watched every single fight, and I'm interested because – you know why? Because I'm interested in the story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested in the grander narrative. What am I doing? I'm, it's, it's entertainment at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, you know, I, I think, like, a couple other things that I'd probably do with hockey is um, – you know, I, you guys have a uh, enthusiasm for the Netflix and the personalities. I think there's simple things the NHL could do. For instance, like they have not gone to the Olympics because a lot of the owners are kind of very insular thinking. They're very like kind of isolationist. They want right. to like do what's best for my specific business in well, Carolina term, though, or in right? Dallas. Very short term. <laughs> yeah. And so it sort of missed out on opportunities to really brand that game uh, internationally, right? So like when the NHL went to the Olympics in Japan or when it went to the Olympics in Italy or, you know, uh, even Russia, like Russia's kind of blacklisted now, but um, it, there were opportunities really for people around the world to see it. And even for, even within Canada or North America where, you know, we may have had a chance to see hockey, may not have been interested. It's actually one of those things that can sort of help kind of have 15 million people, 20 million people in Canada kind of kind of watch something right but 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 are sorry are people still watching the olympics like I think, how did the last olympics do well so you, you do I wonder thought, i thought it i thought i got yeah partly because i think because the product sucked yeah because yeah. yeah. if, the NHL, if yeah. the nhl players are there best I think, on best man exactly right. i think yeah. the broadcasters in canada will really big that up right i think the fact that yeah the last olympics last two olympics tokyo and beijing were both sort of played in you know, sort of empty arenas or there weren't very many international right. travelers. But, you know, I think the NHL not going to Beijing was a massive buzz, buzzkill, at least in Canada, for those mm -hmm. Olympic Games. And it's a, it's a way to sort of like grab kind of people that may not be interested right. in hockey to watch. So, for instance, you know, like Jonathan Taves, he's probably played his last game with the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, Glennis is not a huge uh, hockey fan, I would say, but she knows who Jonathan Taves is because yep. he was part of that 2010 Olympic team. Same thing with Sidney Crosby, you know, like I think a lot of people may not watch NHL games, but they know like he had that mm -hmm. special moment um, at the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. Okay, so you're, you're, so you're on the Olympics front. I have some Netflix personalities. Yeah. Um, I like this. I like this. I want, I want to switch topics a little bit. St staying on this idea that the most powerful person in the room is a storyteller. I don't know if you guys saw like this week. There's always this stuff coming out in generative AI, but this week, um, it was making the rounds around the AI Drake, AI Weekend song um, <laughs> that was, you know, that was actually, I don't know if you guys heard, did you guys hear it? Did you guys? I didn't get to hear it. I, it I, I haven't heard it. It was a, it was a. I heard it was pretty, like, it was good. It, <laughs> it tricked a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it tricked a lot of people. And so, the, 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 you know, it really brought up this interesting question, which is, 
can AI art or AI artists, or even like you can talk about AI sports athletes, um, can they really make an impact? Will we really listen to an AI Drake or an AI Weekend? Because the one thing that's missing from that, in my opinion, it, it is missing the story. It's missing the soul, and that's the whole thing with AI. It's amazing. It's efficient. It's it's really great, but it it miss it misses that soul. And I, I think part of the reason why we connect um in terms of music is we we want we connect with that artist at the end of the day. But I don't. What do you, what do you got that thoughts? Well, let, let me start with Navin because he heard the track. I thought the track was fire. To be honest, okay. shout out to Ghost Rider on TikTok. <laughs> Whoever set that up was amazing. But uh, this is an interesting topic. Okay. I don't know if you guys have seen some Twitch streamers who do something similar where they're not actually streaming themselves, but they're actually characters on the screen. So they're wearing, whether it's a VR headset, yep. or they're wearing an actual suit. And people are tuning in, millions of people are watching them play a video game or just interact around their house or ask them questions and talk to them. And I feel like that's a beginning to what this could be. That's why I do think an AI artist can survive because you're gonna put out great tracks. And I don't think that many people actually wanna go to a concert and be able to interact with these artists. Cause a lot of people mm -hmm. don't go to concerts. So if, right. you're just, if you're just hitting out fire track after fire track yeah. with a dope voice, cool face, cool brand behind it, I think it'll pop off. I think there's a cap there, though. And, and the reason I do is, is because as humans, the, the human condition is, is mistakes. And that's it, right? If you want to boil down the difference between humans and computers, it's that we could do the same thing 100 times and get 100 different results. You type it, like if you push F on the keyboard, 100% yep. of the time, going to just get Fs on the page, right? That's it. Um, and, and I think that as humans... We want to see that unique experience. And a robot probably will be hard-pressed to give you a unique experience. And, and like you think about uh, like what drives value in the world, uh, it's the, the rarest, like you, put, you know, Pokemon cards, um, some of the rarest ones are the ones where there's a misprint uh, on, the, right. on, on the card. Mm -hmm. And you've got this perfect first edition Charizard mm -hmm. and a perfect first edition Charizard that's got a, different, a, a thicker stamp. And because the printer messed up and it was doing it. It's like that one is the most rare. That's the most valuable. So I think, yeah. will they survive? Yeah, 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 yeah. AI art, AI uh, content, it's all going to survive. It's all going to thrive, but it will be capped. And the ultimate humans that create art that have the human condition, that relatability, because whether or not a bunch of robots uh, uh, watch your stuff makes no difference, and mm -hmm. and humans relate to to the human condition. So I think I think humans still have the upper hand. I like that, absolutely, uh, yeah. But I, I kind of feel the same way. Like if you watch uh, you know a big performance, like a Super Bowl performance, or you know a concert that airs on TV, and you sort of see lip syncing, it becomes like a huge scandal. Yeah, kind of, that this person is lip synced, or that it's not like an authentic uh, representation of sort of that art. Um, so yeah, I think I think like there's probably a role for AI. Like you look back to like. 10 years ago, like when T-Pain and like auto-tune yep. was sort of like the big thing. Um, but T-Pain was still on the track. That's different. Yeah, but... It's, I, not, it's, it's his it's altered voice, it's, but it's, it's still on the track. It's true, but it's sort of like a little bit of a technological wrinkle. Yeah, well, the AI thing that. was still... That was still Drake's voice. Yeah. yeah, but he didn't approve of it, But right? but, but, you know, I, I can sort of <laughs> I can sort of see these tracks kind of becoming um, kind of like one and done, one hit wonder, yep. or like sort of like fleeting uh, little... You know, fleeting kind of ditties, right? That'll sort of be released. You'll get TikTok viral hits, and then people will move on. Whereas, you know, the the true artists that sort of create something visceral, something that you can feel, those are going to stand the, then, the test of time, right? And then follow it up and get involved. Like, 
you know, when you had a one hit wonder, your next call was to a manager to get you on the talk show, to get you, yeah. on, you know, to get you some followers, to get you like, you know, you, yeah. you release a book. What do you do? Book signing, book signing, book signing, right. book signing, right? To get in front of people. Right. It's like, yeah, I got this great book and it's awesome. Here you go. And then end. No good. Right. I got this great book and then come see me yeah. and come talk to me and I'll sign your book. It's like, whoa. Yeah. I'm doing that. And then you see him and you're like, oh yeah, that's sweet. No. Yeah. You know, to me, uh, music is interesting because um, do we listen to music because we like the music or do we listen to music because we know lots of people like that music? Oh, we like how it makes us feel. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's Everyone has a different feeling with it. That's why we all listen to different genres, right? Um, I think it's a very individual kind of experience. I have to admit, like when I listen to music, the lyrics aren't really the first thing that I listen to. It's really kind of how the track's produced. Uh, how does it make me feel viscerally? Yeah. And then maybe, you know, if it really makes me feel a certain way, I'll sort of, the lyrics might resonate even more, but, uh, yeah, I don't know about you guys. No, totally. Like it's normally for me, it's like the beat, like the yeah. BPM, like what does that mean? How does that make yeah. you feel in the moment? And then the lyrics are like actually secondary <laughs> yeah. most of the time, to be yeah, honest. I think about like, I'm, for me, I'm not a big concert guy. Um, but uh, NF is coming to town in August. Yeah, love NF. Right. Sorry, sorry. Who's that? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> he's like this, this like white rapper. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> uh, he's he's wicked though. He's, he's and and his music's fine. His music's pretty good. I would say it's above average and, and it's improving. Uh, but what I like most about him is I like his background. Right. He doesn't swear on tracks. He doesn't. He he doesn't. He doesn't want to. He's got this Christian upbringing, which I which I resonate with and I appreciate. Uh, and he talks about things that um, that in his mind are are out there and that shouldn't be talked about. And that's what I relate with. And the, yeah. the songs they kind of in reality they all kind of sound the same. Like they come <laughs> from the same spot. They come from the same thing. Uh, but that story, that backstory is, and the story is 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 what's driving me to you know spend a couple hundred bucks to go see him for a few hours. Yeah. Here's the interesting take too, yeah. just on the AI stuff, where I think it could be dope. Is Drake and Tupac, you yeah. know, the weekend yeah. and Biggie, and they're right. bringing they're bringing those guys back in the voice. I think that can pop I, off. I heard yeah, a, I, I, I I heard a Tupac Biggie uh, track together. It was pretty. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. AI yeah. Tupac, AI but, Biggie. But I'm kind of curious. Like you talk about like one like one of the things that companies or uh, entrepreneurs try to do now is sort of create a community, right? Yeah. So you know, like Adams mentioned with uh, with AI generated music, like. Are you kind of creating that community, that sort of uh, relatability, that attachment, that emotional connection to an artist? That's what I mean. I don't think an AI, I don't know yet if an AI artist can be able to sell out an arena. Well, yeah. let's uh, think about it this way. Yeah. AI artists will be 100% product, right? The product will be fire every yeah. single time. And we just sat here and poo-pooed on the NHL for having a really, really, really good product and no distribution right. or no community 100%. behind it. And is AI 100%. music going to be the same thing without that that community? Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I think like the companies and, you know, uh, experiences that people have, like what's, what is allowing those to thrive is like, you know, that sense of community, right? Like I think like, you know, you talk about things like, uh, I don't want to talk about NFTs because so, it's a whole different topic. But while NFTs may have, you know, kind of tanked in terms of values, I think the people that really are still in that space one of the reasons is because there's some community that's sort of formed around it. Yep. And you kind of wonder whether the, um, with artificial intelligence, I mean, I'm sure there'll probably be some sub genre and some sub community that still develops, but um, it's sort of harder to generate that. Well, I'm going to move on to the next subject, but the last thing I was going to say about the, and you mentioned the NFTs. I think this artificial intelligence space is actually going to um, bring NFTs back because when you have un unbelievable abundance, you need scarcity and, and, and NFTs create the best, um, I guess, 
opportunity to have scarce products or assets. Um, so, anyways, we got a couple, and we got to, we have to have it, we have to deep dive on podcast. That's a separate <laughs> podcast. The NFT train. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 one of the things that I, I want, I wanted this chapter in my book, uh, but I, it, we just kind of ran out of room in the book. But it's related to this concept in the book uh, around hot streaks and this lightning strike. It's this idea of seizing your moment, like understanding when is your moment and maximizing at that sort of window. Um, and, and actually, one of the first um, ideas that I had about this idea of seizing your moment, like capitalizing on this window of opportunity that you have, was a conversation that I had with Harmon B. You know, like the the, the DTJ. Yeah. Um, so Harmon, so Harmon and I, we were sitting together. And we were watching this group, this this like choir band. I think they're called like they're they're here in Edmonton. They're called the Millen, the Millennies brothers. Millennia? No, the Melendez uh. brothers. Anyways, a couple <laughs> brothers, three brothers, okay. awesome singers. And they're kind of like at that point they were like a choir band, right? And Harmon B looked at them and he was like, "You see these kids right now? This this one kid, he's like he's like the like the next Michael Jackson. They're 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 amazing." He's like, "But you see." If they don't capitalize on this moment right now, they're gonna be the next. They're gonna be just a cover band for the rest, the rest of their life. They need the right management. They need something around them. And he told me that like five years ago. And he was, and he's like, I, I, I actually approached their parents to like manage them, and they said, no, we want to, you know, we're gonna do this ourselves. And I actually kind of see them now, and they weren't able. To, like he was right. He was right. And it's like they weren't able to capitalize this moment, this opportunity that they were in. They weren't able to double down. And he gave me these stories of, yeah, you know when Lady Gaga came to Edmonton, she like she paid to be at like Rum Jungle so that she could get on that stage. Like they maximize these moments. And I look, you know, throughout history, even in sports, when we're talking about sports, like I, I, I'm fascinated with these moments of like, you know, Tom Brady coming in when Drew Bledsoe, Bledsoe was out and he just takes that opportunity, yeah, runs yeah. with it, and he becomes the GOAT. There's so many moments of that happens. I think that helped happen with Tony Romo too. Didn't it happen with Bledsoe and Romo too? I think Bledsoe was out and Romo yeah. came in and he became a you know a legend. I'm sure you see it in soccer all the time where you know somebody comes in, uh, you know, 75 minutes into the game, scores a goal, and he's it's like <laughs> it's happening right now in Edmonton with Stuart Skinner, right? Yeah, right. If the Oilers go on to yeah, win this year, that's like right. He is the man, right? Right. Yeah. He's getting that that trophy. He's taking. Yeah. His, so, and I, and I look at it like, when do you, when do you know it's your moment to double down and say, I'm just going to invest everything to make this moment pop because I see it happening. Like, I don't know if you guys have experienced that in your life or um, if you've seen examples of it. I'm just so fascinated by this concept. I feel like I'm living the moment right now. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, tell me, tell like, me why. Me, tell like, me why. Same concepts like here today, gone tomorrow. We live in the social media digital age. Where you can be hot today and tomorrow your whole life is you're just done as a creator, right? Yep. So for me, it's like doubling down. It's like we got the studio. Yeah. We're creating this podcast. We're doing stuff all over the world. We're creating content. And I feel like I'm in that moment of like, if it's not now, when is it going to be? Right. So I feel like maybe in a year from now, I'm going to give you a better answer. But I feel like I'm living that experience like literally right now. I don't, I don't think it ever goes away. Like you think about like I've been in this volatile crypto specifically Bitcoin industry for 10 years. Yeah. And I've, I've been doubling down, you know, every six months since, since then. And then like people hear about me in like 2020, it's like, Oh, you're so lucky. You got in 10 years ago. I can't believe it. Like blah, blah, blah. And one of my, uh, my dad's friends said that to him and he's like, 
Adam's not lucky. Like Adam's heard no more times than all of us in yeah. this room combined. Right. Yeah. Still goes out, gets shot in the face, smacked around, and then goes out and does more. And 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 I think you got to double down. It's like when you know it's your moment, it's always your moment. You yeah. got to keep on going, keep on going, keep on going, and then finally something clicks, and then you know where your direction is. Right. Yeah. No, I I I tend to agree. I mean, I th- like you know I think one of the classic ones is uh, in that Simpsons episode where Bart says i didn't do it i think that was the expression i didn't do <laughs> yeah it. yeah and then so remember he like went on all the talk shows was on conan o'brien okay and they all wanted him to say that one line right and then he did it so he got his like 15 seconds of fame and it never capitalized into anything right sort of like went back to being an elementary school student you know i think like there's a uh, there's i think nowadays like there's opportunities to sort of do these lightning strikes um from your own basement right like you think about i like like think about um it's a guy in England. He's a YouTuber that's now actually become like a chairman of a football club, Spencer Owen. I've talked to you about Spencer yeah, yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, Spencer so Owen, yeah. Spencer FC. So essentially, you know, he what, was... What? He's the chairman? Well, so of, uh, interesting <laughs> story. <laughs> but but so cool. yeah, so essentially what he was, like he, he started his YouTube just kind of uh, being like a FIFA, like FIFA video game content creator. And so would put out FIFA videos, um, would do like manager mode or career mode yep. and sort of like document that. And then throughout kind of over many years, like he got, um, didn't he do like games where like he would film like games with his friends? Yeah. So, so this is kind of what happened. So he became, he kind of developed a little bit of a following on YouTube. Um, and then he got hired by a couple of uh, media companies that were in the space at the time. And his profile just keep kept getting bigger and bigger. And so he was really somebody that really enjoyed playing football, talking about football, uh, football, I say soccer, but uh, or so, I mean soccer, but that's what I mean, I guess. <laughs> you also have to caveat that when you're talking to, uh, yeah. depending on the audience. But yeah, so he was, he really kind of went up the chain in terms of football, in terms of, a fo- f- uh, in terms of followers. And then, you know, he just decided with his brothers one day, who were also content creators, and they said, why don't we just like create our own club? And so they created their club. It's called Hashtag United. And they basically started just playing in like Sunday right. League. Um, and it was just a group of friends that would just play and they'd film their games. They'd have all these cameras filming their games, they'd have play-by-play commentary, and they would get, like, you know, 500,000 views on these, like, rec games. And kind of, like, seeing the, seeing the experience with that, one of the appeals of the English football system is that you can start a team at the very bottom and kind of work your way kind of gradually up to the top. And so he's really kind of parlayed that early kind of YouTube just commenting on FIFA into, you know, this kind of clairvoyant, you know, upward trajectory yeah. and now hashtag hashtag united is actually in the football league structure they keep getting promoted because you know they've got a massive following especially for you know compared to the other clubs lower down in the pyramid and yeah he's killing it i it would not surprise me to see him kind of being a chairman of you know a, a team in the premier league maybe one day because wow. i think he's That's developed crazy. those skills he's developed uh, the contacts he's developed credibility now yep um they, he's developed kind of this whole media um portfolio kind of around the club and that's really just kind of coming from literally his basement um well and the cool thing is is he's he's one higher away from that premier league right like yeah like if he can afford to pay whoever the superstar of the of the year of the decade is yeah to come and join his club boom that's it right? yeah oh, there's your ticket which is so crazy yeah. that it's actually like you like you kind of the concept it's the story it's the following it's the community that you've built and then you can go out and buy the talent absolutely i think the following is really what has helped propel him and the thing is with football is such an international game right mm-hmm. so if you're playing fifa 
there might be a kid in like Indonesia or there might be a kid in like Kenya that's interested in this. He's going to want to watch what's happening and he becomes a fan. And he's like, oh, you know, hashtag United. I, I'll support them. I'll buy like a kit or something like that. And yeah, I think they've profited big time. And what's interesting is actually one of the, uh, there's a Chelsea player uh, uh, who actually invested in the team as well. So he's building, oh, up, wow. he's building up a lot of, uh, you know, good cred. And right. it sort of shows like how you can go from innovator space into, you know, the, the cloistered boardrooms of these big clubs just through kind of like seizing on those opportunities. Yeah. Well, you know, and the reason why I bring this up is because I also feel like I'm sort of in this moment where, you know, I, I you know, I just, I'm like, okay, I, I'm not going to be like this hot for this long. But then I'm also like, I want to disrupt myself. Like, I want to like try new venues. I want to try new things. And so it, it, um, I'm fascinated with it because you don't want to miss your moment. And you also want to create more moments, right? Yeah. You want to create more hot streaks in your life. And so I just, I'm obsessed with this idea. And I, and I look at people in their life as like, what was that moment? What was that catalyst that sort of propelled people? How did they take advantage of that, that time that they were just, yeah, they, they got in the game and then they just never let go. Yeah. Uh, no, super fascinating. Um, so, so actually, it, it, this, this uh, dovetails well into the next question I have. And it's a question that I've, I, I've always thought about because I think about LeBron. So LeBron spends a million dollars on his body. And because his body is like, that's the reason why he's been so uh, prolific in the game of basketball. So I want to ask you guys, if you had another million dollars just lying around, what would you invest that money in? I, I want to say I, I would optimize my body just like LeBron. <laughs> I talk to Anvika about okay, this all the time. Okay. I'm not, I don't think I would spend the Well, she's a chiropractor, million. so she's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not an NBA what athlete. What does that mean to spend a yeah. million dollars on yeah. your body? <laughs> yeah, but it would be a million, but like I would have like full time chef. Okay. I'd have my cryo, I'd have my like hyperbaric air chamber. I'd have I'd all that stuff to optimize myself as an entrepreneur. Like deep sleep every single night. Wow. Waking up with my food, massages. Like I would optimize myself because I know like, when my mind's good, when I'm slept, when I'm sleeping well, when I'm recovered, that's when I'm most optimal. Well, LeBron sleeps like sometimes 15 hours a day. Right. Oh wow. There's a reason he's so much better than everyone else. It's not just his skill and talent; it's the recovery, right? Not everyone has the obviously the ability to put a million dollars into or sleep recovery. 15 hours yeah, a day. <laughs> but if you think about like like I always there's a bunch of podcasts and books on like uh, optimization hacks. Yeah. Entrepreneurs as, as an individual, how do you get ahead? And I'm always trying to think, like, what is the hack that I could try to next? That's why I got the whoop. That yeah. was like my next hack was, okay, I need to track my sleep. How much deep sleep? How much REM? Yep. What am I waking up? I wake up six times last night. Why? Because I had two glasses of wine. Like, I try to, like, that's, like, where my mind is. Right. So, like, that's how I would spend. An extra million Some dollars money. lying Maybe down. Maybe 100K lying would only be spent. I'd put 900 in my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What, 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 you had a million dollars just lying around. What would you spend it on? Yeah, like first thought was uh, Bitcoin, obviously. But then, but then I remembered. But then I remembered, Bitcoin is simply a function of our energy and of our time. And so, if you if you take that level one level down, I would buy more time. It's just like you said. It's like, yep. I'm not cooking right already. Like yes. my like, you're never gonna see me in anything other than these black pants and this black shirt. I got thirty of these and eight of these. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I got no decisions to make in the morning. It's out, same socks, same underwear. Love I it. I know what I'm doing. Uh, you, got and, the, you got the Steve Jobs drip now, well, yeah. the, the 2023 <laughs> yeah. uh, version of it. But I, I would definitely uh, look to buy more time. I would outsource anything that is not my thoughts. 
And, wow. and if that's, yeah, that's, a good if that's point. editing, right? Like, yeah. bless, bless you guys, you came in. I dropped all this camera gear off. I had to go around and speak somewhere. I come back. We got all these cameras set up. So yeah, we well, that's shout quick. out to Neve. Shout out to Neve. Yeah, yeah. Neve. <laughs> no cameras on Neve. She's behind. <laughs> She's like, like just unreal. Like, like if I could have someone that just handled everything. I was actually thinking too. Like, I spent this morning forty-five minutes driving from my house to my office, pick up my cameras, bring them here from this studio to where I speak, from this from where I spoke back here, all before ten thirty. Yeah, I'm like, man, that's forty-five minutes where I could have been answering some emails. I could have been filming. I could have been working. And yeah, I'm back to the car. So I'm hiring that out. Right. It's the it's the setup. Up. Like you said, yeah. eating, cooking, cleaning, uh, all of that stuff. Man, if there was a pill that I could just and not eat anymore for the rest of my life, 100%. Wow. Yeah, it's I called Ozempic. I think you <laughs> Shout out uh, Ozempic. It's trendy right now. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be, it would be, uh, I would buy, I would buy time so that you can find more moments and double down. Okay. What about you? What do you think? That's a tough question because, uh, you know, I have to say, like, I, I'm really enjoying life right now. I've got, I, it's, it's a hard question to answer because my family's here as well. Yeah. Your wife's, your wife. <laughs> so she's I, like yeah. watching you like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to buy my, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd buy, you know, them, whatever, you know, like my family, thankfully is not very, uh, kind of materialistic. We're very happy with, uh, what we have. It's, it's a really hard question. I think like for me, um, I definitely like would make sure kind of my family has what they need. I think like outsourced, we all, we, I know, I know, but uh, extra that. million, right? Extra, everything everything taken care of. Now this around. is the extra. But you know, like I, need. I, okay, maybe we'd outsource certain tasks, but I would even say that, you know, for me, you know, I have a busy job. I like work in the hospital. Um, I, you know, I still like doing kind of those nitty gritty uh, kind of jobs, right? So whether it's changing a diaper, whether it's cleaning dishes, whether it's cooking, I actually kind of like that. I get a lot of fulfillment out of it. Um, yep. It's actually a good opportunity to even listen to podcasts, you know, yeah. like where you don't get um, uh, where you don't get those times otherwise throughout the day. Um, so yeah, a million dollars. I think it'd probably just kind of go back into the house in terms of uh, educational opportunities for my son. Uh, maybe uh, educational opportunities for. Uh, okay, just give. I love how you're not so doing different. anything with that million dollars. Yeah. Like, how can I give more time, bro? How about more content? Just I mean, like, you yeah, know, man, maybe another you know, bed just to get. Gotta uh, buy some groceries. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah I, love, I, I love in, that. Uh, I, love I live that. in BC, so yeah, it costs a living. Million dollars doesn't go a long ways these days. But yeah, yeah, it is a bit of a hard question to answer. I mean, I, I, I think there's things you can always optimize like in terms of sleep, in terms of your health. Um, but, you know, I think like ensuring that your family is looked after and like ensuring that you get those opportunities to just be with your family. I think that's uh, that, you know, hopefully. No, that's that's a that. safe answer. That's a safe answer with your yeah. family, family here in, in, in your family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. Where's the trap uh, door? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah you, you know, for me, I think at the end of the day, it to me, it is content. Because I think um, in the future, building your own brand equity is going to be the most important asset in the world. Mm -hmm. Like being able to um, have people around you that support you is is really important like building trust and authenticity and building a relationship with folks and i think content is the greatest way of doing that content creates luck at the end of the day so you know we talk about the power of distribution like li li listen like half the conversation that we're having about distribution i think it's really really important so i would just double down on content because i think it's it's just it's first of all i love it and second of all i think it's just you just you can change somebody's you could change somebody's life with content, mm -hmm. right? It is the most exponential 
asset in the world. The fact that we can take this particular piece of video and we can put it somewhere and it can go around the world and somebody in Bangladesh can watch yeah. it and be like, that was awesome. Ah, are you kidding? Yeah, the power that is content. crazy. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. That's crazy power. Yeah, like you, you know, like you could, uh, like there's so many like sub communities, right? So if you're like, if you feel like you're unique in the world, there's always somebody around now, right? And that, I guess that content yep. sort of helps uh, make the world a lot smaller, right? Yep. So, so the, the so the last question or the last concept that I think uh, I want to bring up is this idea of um, the age of infinite leverage. It it it, it it relates to this idea of content. So the, the age of infinite leverage means that today, as an individual, we have more power than ever before. We have, we can get freelancers from anywhere around the world, remote workers, contractors, creators, influencers, they're at our fingertips. You know, you can leverage agencies, joint ventures, teams, alliances, you can hire a firm to do work. So there's humans. But there's also this AI space, generative AI of ChatGPT. You have MidJourney, these platforms that can do work for you at a radically cheaper cost. And then there's content. You know, the ability to tell stories around the world um, is almost it's 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 there are no costs to it. Like the cost of creation, the cost of AI, the cost of code is almost the cost of getting tasks done. The the cost is getting re dramatically reduced. And so today we are living in the world of, of infinite leverage where you can do an extraordinary amount with very little resources. So what are you guys' thoughts on this? And um, yeah, we, like how are you guys leveraging this in what you guys are doing? So, so for me, I mean, we I don't know if I should be saying this on camera, but anyways. Yeah, no, say it on camera. Uh, for, <laughs> for some of the brands we do, like you know, we have email marketers, we have guys that write copy or social ads for us and stuff. And that's all been replaced by ChatGPT. Wow. And it's been replaced it's by all me. Replaced. It's been replaced by me because wow. now in them having a salary or set amount of hours per project basis, I'm literally going into ChatGPT because I'm already telling them what I want. Yeah. Right? You're a prompt engineer. I'm yeah, I'm I'm the prompt <laughs> for my brand. So I'm going to ChatGPT and learning how to optimize it, telling what I need, and it's spitting out. Wow. Excellent options. Like <laughs> clickbait uh, taglines, headlines for ads, like I just literally, we send out an email on, to in the lab on Friday. We do every Friday, we do like motivational emails. All right, so let me try this out. Hey, ChatGPT, this is our brand yep. new lab, basketball focus, blah, blah, blah. Write me a, a simple motivational email for our, our email list. Gave me a beautiful email. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Changed three words, put it into Clavio, uh, sent out. Infinite leverage. In, le in less than like 10 minutes, I did that. Yep. It's like, that's to me, it's so interesting where we're still at the cusp of what's going to happen. And I always say this to all of us, we all know this, we need to be in the now. We need to be, just like NFTs, we need to be there now experimenting, like how Topshot was. We were there just throwing money yep. to see what was going to hit and yep. learn. And ChatGPT, I paid for the pro because I'm yep. curious. I just want to know what is it going to get me and what, how much can I optimize with it? Here's, like I totally agree with uh, all of that. I would say, though, that infinite leverage comes from the concept that you have something to start with. It didn't take you 10 minutes. It's taken you months. Oh, years. Of yeah. learning how to prompt a robot yep. to get the result that you want, and that come and that to your point came from years of prompting humans. Mm -hmm. And so I think that uh, that leverage started with some some initial cons and leverage. The point of leverage is making something big with something small, capturing that something big. Now that's something small, and then getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, and back to what you said about doubling down on yourself. That's it, right? You've been prompting humans for 
for years and uh, they were slow, they made mistakes, they didn't have all the info. Now you're prompting a robot that's got all the info, yeah. that's got absolutely everything they ever yeah. need. And yeah, it takes 10 minutes, but it takes 10 minutes because you've got thousand hours yeah. of, of that practice early on. And then this finally, this perfect tool came into your grasp. And you're like, ah, oh, this is advantage. amazing. This is everything I need. But yeah. like me, like I'm a horrible trainer. I just think everyone thinks like me and I'm like, okay, great, go do it. And it's like, why is it done this way? It's like, well, you didn't tell me what to do properly. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> you don't think like me, so obviously not. And and so I, I'm like struggling with AI stuff because I wanted to do it in like, it should take 10 minutes, but like I think you're discounting how much work you actually have into that and how far ahead you are for right. people that just like run up. It's and a really it. good point but he brings up. It, it is interesting, but I, I almost, I also disagree in a sense because I think that somebody coming in to a particular industry where they don't have any experience, like a dummy off the street, they can go and prompt um, ChatGPT and get the experience and the wisdom of you know, the greatest marketing For minds sure. in the world. But think about, think about what he said. He said, he wrote, he wrote, hey, we're a basketball brand, we're this and this. If I'm doing this for the first time, write me in my newsletter. Yeah. Right? Chat right. is going to give me whatever the hell it's yeah. out. So yeah. He's like, we're basketball focused. We're this brand. Here's our URL. Here's how we're focused. Here's our people. He's known exactly what to say. So my first one's going to suck. My second one, if I'm smart, will get a little bit better, a yeah, little bit better, a little bit better. And then I'll end up at pro level where it's like, yo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend 10 minutes really thoughtfully thinking about what I'm going to tell you what to spit out, and then you're going to spit it out perfectly in like six But seconds. don't you think that the gap has closed a For little sure. bit? For mm-hmm. sure. Gap's closing. Like but- in terms of that experience. And if I'm, if I'm, you know, if I'm a 30-year, you know, I've been 30 years in the game in, 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 in the marketing realm, like some, uh, uh, you know, an intern with a couple years of experience, like because of the, the, the technology, it, the, the gap is closing a little bit. I think it's closing. Yeah, I think, I think so. I, I think it's closing at the same time, and I'll, and I'll get off the mic here, but I think it's it's we discount us experience. Like, I discount my experience in Bitcoin because this is just natural to me, right? I want to make a Bitcoin wallet. I just go make it. If I told you to go set up a Bitcoin node, you'd be like, I don't know how. I'm like, bro, <laughs> I did it 10 years ago. You can do it. There's lots of YouTube videos. You can ask ChatGPT. You'd figure it out, yep. but it would take you a hell of a lot longer than it takes me because you don't have that experience. And I think collectively, yeah. when you're a smart, high-performing individual, yep. You produce and discount experience, and mm-hmm. that's my experience. Well, I'll ask you. You know, you're you're on a pod with a whole bunch of entrepreneurs. I know. Yeah, um, I feel and, a little uh, bit out of my depth. And uh, <laughs> age of infinite leverage. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm in medicine, um, and so you know, I think, especially like nowadays, like there's there's kind of a primary care issue. Uh, there's an issue with healthcare and uh, like access to healthcare within Canada. Um, so there's kind of ongoing discussions about how AI can actually help in those aspects. It probably deserves a pot on its own. And, you know, there's probably a lot of other programs that can also talk about that issue, but I do see that there's some potential in it. So for instance, you know, if you are a patient, go into a family doctor's office, you, you know, not sure what's happening to you, but you sort of like describe your symptoms, uh, describe the onset of it. So like you're providing a history to the physician, um, and then, you know, they can order tests, they can order an x-ray, they can order lab tests. And there's actually groups now that are actually putting in all this data. And they've got big databases in terms of like, you know, if you've got these symptoms, what is your actual diagnosis? Or like if you've got these lab parameters, what's your actual, what's the actual diagnosis? So, you know, we go to medical school, we do a residency, fellowship, whatever, to try and help process yeah. that all on the spot. Um, but, you know, like if we're kind of leveraging the 
again, I don't know if I'm using the word leveraging correct in this context, but you know, like there's people looking into like databases with all these features and then they're able to sort of figure out what's the most likely diagnosis. So if you think like if you go into a doctor's office and you know, everyone's really strapped for time, you've got yep. 10 minutes to yeah, sort of describe your issues. But you know, if you can sort of describe everything and the diagnosis kind of comes out right away, physician can sort of agree or disagree with the diagnosis. Yeah, the prescription, there you go. And That's there you go. Yeah. And you know, like I think radiology is another area where yeah, that, yeah. that might be changing. So for instance, you get an x-ray, you know, there can be some like, ah, oh, it could be this, could be that, you know, a little bit of uh, uh, murkiness in terms of what the diagnosis is. If you've got an AI system that sort of uh, has looked at all these x-rays and can tell you like, oh, it's actually more likely to be pneumonia as opposed to fluid, for instance. Yeah. You know, like you can sort of leverage uh, the AI into using. And it's already doing that. And people, that, I think that's the space that's probably most. Yeah. But, you know, um, it can sort of make things for disruption. Yeah, it can make things a little bit more efficient. It doesn't maybe replace the physician um, or the, you know, healthcare provider uh, kind of on the yep. spot. But it can be definitely be used as an adjunct, right? So, so you know, it's interesting. I was at a I was at a keynote in Vancouver a couple of days ago talking about generative AI. And one of the things that I've been saying, you know, for, I've been talking about this AI thing for a long time. And I always like bring up this question, you know, will robots take your job? And I've always been um, really cognizant that there are people in the room that they're like, you know, they're, rob they're, rob they're scared of it, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always said that, you know, robots will never take your job. It just allows you to just be double down on your customers and your clients and, and all that kind of stuff. But something is different here. And actually, um, I think robots will take jobs. And your job now, your new job, everybody's new job is to figure out how AI is going to take your job. Yeah. Because if you don't figure it out, somebody is going to figure it out uh, for you, and it's not going to be pretty. So um, we need to figure this out. And I actually think this is the greatest time to live and, and, and be in business or be a human because of this age of infinite leverage. That you, can, you can figure out how to leverage this AI thing and the talent piece and the crowdsourcers and the creators and the freelancers and the, and the social thing and the creating stories. And now you can do way more. Like, what can you build? Instead of asking the question, what will, you know, how will robots take my job? You need to ask the question, how can I create more? How can I build more? Um, so I think it's an exciting time. So, gentlemen, with that, I, I just want to thank you so much for coming on Dangerous Ideas. Again, just as a reminder, these are concepts and frameworks that will change your life. And I can see already that this is already changing your lives, okay? It's, it's amazing. So, um, so uh, JD, you're going to have the last word because, you know, this is, this is you, you, these guys are going to be on very regularly, but what do you think of the pod? What do you think of the setup? What do you, like, just yeah. last words. Honestly, very kind of inspiring f space, you know. Um, people that are creative really kind of feed off each other yeah uh, when you're in an ins inspiring space that has kind of cool view of the city kind of cool artwork everywhere people that are kind of um sort of primed to create something i think uh yeah it seems kind of like uh, a lab right in the lab this is a oh! um, so uh yeah <laughs> natural not even yeah. how do you even yeah. that? That, in the lab. Yeah. In the lab. <laughs> but yeah no it's uh, it's a beautiful this space and uh yeah it kind of feels like i'm at uh you know like a cbc studio but that's been kind of Defunded, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <been funded>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been kind of like made a little bit cooler, you know? Yeah, like yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. No, it's yeah. that. No, we, definitely, um, you know, we're building something really cool here. It's like uh, it's like the PayPal Mafia. Like, it's, uh, you know, the PayPal Mafia where you had like Elon yeah. and Reed, Hoff Reed Hoffman and you had uh, T Peter Thiel and, 
and all these people coming together and they worked in this company and then they went off and did incre incredible things. I honestly feel like with, with, with Adam and Nav and RJ and, and, and Mo and Mazin yeah. and Neve, like we're all going to like build something incredible. It's kind of like, uh, like Andy Warhol factory, right? So like in the seventies, uh, he'd sort of get all the creatives in New York city into right. the factory. That's it. Uh, they have these infamous parties, um, probably lots of substances being consumed yeah, in those yeah, times as well. But, uh, yeah, but you know, I think I think there's something to be said. Like when you get a group of creatives coming together, um, creating cool stuff. Like I think all throughout history, like in the 1920s in Paris, yep. right? That was kind of like that. Uh, 1970s in New York City, um, and then yeah, 2020s here in Edmonton, and 2023 Canada. is in Edmonton. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so here well, we go. Well, with that, thank you so much for joining the pod. Uh, you can subscribe, rate, follow. We're on every platform now, and uh, we'll check you on the next next one. See you.